All right, Psalm chapter 19, if you would, Psalm chapter 19. You know, David Jones doesn't say a whole lot, but when he does, um, you better listen to what he has to say. He really hurt my feelings tonight. We're not online, so I'm just going to bring this out and confess that. I'm at the age now where contacts, um, I've worn contacts my whole life. I'm completely blind without contacts or glasses. And so for reading purposes, I've started wearing glasses a little more. And um, so Dave said, those, those must have been the glasses they assigned to you because there's no way that you picked those out and bought them. Can you believe he said that? <laughs> he doesn't say a whole lot, so. Well, I've got to keep them on at least through the message tonight so I can see, see you all. We have started this series, uh, just this is only our second week, going through psalm, psalms, different selective psalms, and I'm excited about this. I've not, not preached a whole lot from uh, psalms, and so I'm, I'm looking forward to going through certain ones. And we've entitled this Awesome God because there really is the theme of God's greatness and His awesomeness as you go throughout um, the book. And, and I can't think of a psalm that properly describes his greatness and his awesomeness any more than Psalm 19. In days of uncertainty and doubt, Psalm 19 gives us the two greatest evidences to the reality of God. And those two evidences are God's world and God's word. They're the two greatest evidences to the reality of God. And they reveal to us the mind-boggling character of God. I am always in awe and wonder that He is both my Creator and desires to be the Father of all those that He created, to have an intimate relationship with, with us as, as His uh, creation, that He desires to be our Father. And so we'll read through this psalm tonight. Uh, someone said, oh no, we, our notes are stapled. That's not usually a good sign. But I promise you that we're going to go through this uh, fairly quick this evening. Verse 1, the heavens declare the glory of God, the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth, and their words to the ends of the world. In them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun, which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, and rejoiceth as a strong man to run a race. His going forth is from the end of the heaven, and his circuit unto the ends of it, and there is nothing hid from the heat thereof. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandments of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright, and I shall be innocent from the great transgression Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. just hit me that perhaps 
many of you didn't get handouts because Brother Mark is not here tonight. He and Miss Vanessa are at the uh, funeral home. So Brother Brian, Brother Chris, if y'all could grab those and just uh, let them know as they come down the aisle that you would like one of those as we go throughout the study tonight. They'll, they'll get those distributed. Let's pray together. Father, we love you and we're so thankful to be able to gather again with the body of Christ and Lord, to open your word together. You are such an awesome and great God and we we see it as we look at creation. We see it, Lord, in the gift of the word of God that you have given to us as your final revelation to man. And Lord, we just thank you that you reveal yourself in these ways. And I pray that tonight you will open our hearts, Lord, to not just more knowledge, but to application, practice practical application, that we will be more uh, people of your word, that we will love your word in a greater way, that we will be immersed in it, that we will allow it to be our guide and uh, our instruction book in all that we do. And Lord, as we look at creation, may we not ignore you, the creator, and may may it bring us, Lord, to worship you and be in wonder of you. And submit, Lord, to your powerful authority over our life. We pray all this in Christ's precious name. Amen. Just keep your hand up if you'd like one of those, and they'll, they'll make sure and get one to you. In Psalm 19, we see that God reveals himself, as I said, in two primary ways. And first of all, he reveals himself in the created world. And we see this in verses 1 through 6. We could call this the nonverbal, the unwritten revelation. This is the majesty of God's work. And as we look around us, creation certainly shouts the glory and the greatness of God. And I hope as you go throughout your days that you don't miss that. As you're sitting out on your your back porch and you hear the birds singing and you hear uh, creation moving around and you hear the thunders and you see the rain and the storms that, that you realize that this is God speaking. When the sun rises and sets, God is speaking. When he quakes the earth, it is God speaking. When God changes the seasons and we begin to see that change, it is, it is God that is speaking to us. And really, as the Bible points out, only a fool could look around and examine creation and say that there is no God. The psalmist says, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. It was Albert Einstein who said, the, the, the circumstance of an initial moment of creation irritates me. And yet Paul, the Apostle Paul, told us that that would happen, didn't he? When he said in Romans 1.18, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Notice this phrase, who hold the truth in unrighteousness. In other words, the knowledge of creation is suppressed. Two verses down, it says this, For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world, they are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power in Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Even when discoveries point to the original designer and the creator, the academic world scrambles for an explanation for that because to acknowledge an original designer, to acknowledge an original creator also acknowledges that we are accountable to that creator for our life and for our actions. God has left massive footprints throughout the universe that reveal order and beauty and precision and that speak to his glory. Eugene Peterson 
summarize this verse in this way, God's glory is on tour in the skies. The heavens declare the glory of God. And I love what C.S. Lewis wrote concerning this. He said, concerning it all being an accident, if the solar system was brought about by accident, then the appearance of life on this planet was also an accident. And the whole evolution of man was an accident too. If so, then all our present thoughts are accidents, the accidental byproduct of the movement of atoms. But if all our thoughts then are accidental byproducts, why should we believe them to be true? I see no reason for believing that one accident should be able to explain all the other accidents. <laughs> what David points out to us in this, the first six verses He points out that creation reveals the signature of God. The firmament showeth his handiwork. Everywhere we look outside, we should look at its beauty. And we live in one of the most beautiful parts of all of the United States. As we look around it, I hope you don't just acknowledge the beauty, but you acknowledge the creator who made it. And you realize that it is his signature that is all over it. Also, creation reveals not only the signature of God, but the wisdom of God. He says, day unto day utter speech, and night unto night shows knowledge. Day after day and night after night, the brilliant wisdom of God uh, keeps bubbling up all over creation. Also, creation reveals the imagination and the joy of God. We see this in verses 3 through 5. Their line has gone out through all the earth. Their words to the ends of the world, which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber and rejoiceth as a strong man to run a race. And the word for words in verse number 4 could also be translated chords as in a, a musical instrument. And I think if we could hear what God hears from creation and from the animals, it would blow us away. That they worship God and, and perhaps one day in the new the new world, the new creation, we will be able to to hear that. Someone said the smallest planets are releasing tones. The massive planets are humming with musical notes. Uh, The fluctuation of light waves make music. Even earthworms are beating out percussion sounds. Meadowlarks have a musical range of 37 octaves. That would be nice, wouldn't it? The ordinary flies hanging over meadows, they are buzzing in harmony. And creation is singing and it's worshiping their creator. That's why the Bible says if you and I fail to worship him... The rocks will cry out and worship him. If we could hear it with our ears, it would would amaze us. You can acknowledge the creation of the world by God and you can worship the creator or you can choose to somehow ignore the creation of God or try to reject it or excuse it or make up another way. And guess what that leads to? Not worship, but worry. Because when you fail to acknowledge that there is a creator, you will begin to worry about what's going to happen to us. We don't have to worry about that because we know that our creator is in charge of it. So God reveals himself in the created world. Secondly, and I'll spend most of our time here tonight, is that God reveals himself in the inspired word. I'm so thankful that God gave us not only creation, but he gave us this. Creation allows us to see there is a God, but this revelation allows us to see how we can have a relationship with that God. 
If all we had ever was creation, we, we would not... We would not know how we could be restored and back into a relationship with God because salvation comes from the Word of God. This is a precious gift to us tonight, and I hope that you will leave here not with just more knowledge, but you will leave here tonight with a, more, more, a greater desire to be a person of the Word of God, to fall back in love with this Word, to let it be your guide as you live this life. God gave us His Word as a more comprehensive revelation of Himself than Creator. And Psalm 19 is God's own testimony, although David wrote it, the Holy Spirit of God inspired it, God inspired it. It is His own testimony to the sufficiency of Scripture. And we live in a society today that, that mocks the validity of God's Word, they mock the relevance of God's Word, and yet as Christians... We know that God's Word is, is the greatest treasure that we have. Creation reveals to us the power of God, but it is the Word of God that reveals to us the plan and the purpose of God and the wisdom of God that we get from reading the Scriptures. For us as children of God, is the, it is, as I say often, the absolute authority for living. It is the absolute authority for all that we do and all that we practice. It is the measuring stick. And it is the key to a faith-filled Christian life. And I'm going to kind of focus in on verses 7 through 9 tonight as we look at this. And uh, my dad taught us a chorus when our church when I was growing up that came straight from these verses. So if you have your Bible, how many of you know this little chorus? Anybody? Oh boy, I'm going to teach you a new chorus tonight, all right? But verse 7 is a verse, and then verse um, 10 is the chorus to all the verses. So verse 7 is a verse, verse 8 is a verse, verse 9 is a verse, and we'll sing verse 10 in between each of them as the chorus. You know that the Psalms is a hymn book, right? And so they sang these Psalms. We don't know that this is how they sang this Psalm, but this is how we're going to sing it tonight. It goes like this. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Then the chorus, verse 10. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Anybody ever heard it? All right, a few of you. Sing it with me then. Don't make me sing a solo. All right, and it's pretty easy to catch on to, so let's try it in verse number 8. Ready? The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Can y'all put verse 9 on the screen? And let's sing it together from the screen. Maybe that'll help us. that help you? All right, let's do that. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. 
The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Good job. Now you can go home and sing that all week, all right? And now you can just read these verses and sing them. But I want you to look tonight, verses 7 through 9. There are six titles of the Word of God. There are six characteristics of the Word of God. And then there are six benefits of the, of the Word of God. Let's look, first of all, at the titles. And I want you to notice that at the end of each of the titles, the three words mark it, of the Lord, the law of the Lord, the testimonies of the Lord. This is a repetitive reminder, listen, that all of this is from God Himself, that this is divine, that it is from Him. It has many penmen. The Bible has many penmen, but it has one author, and that is God. We see, first of all, the law of the Lord. This is divine instruction. This is the Torah. This is that the Bible is the manual sent by the manufacturer so that we know how to properly live life for maximum effectiveness. We see the law of the Lord. We see the testimony of the Lord. This is His divine witness. And this is God giving His own testimony of who He is and what He wills. God appears as His own witness to His truth. And there really are no other witnesses that are needed to be called to the stand The testimony of the Lord. The law of the Lord. Thirdly, the statutes of the Lord. This is divine doctrine or divine teaching. These are the precepts or or the truths of God. In Scripture, it is as God is a, a father instructing his son. I would encourage you maybe this week to go to Proverbs chapter 4 and to read that, that chapter. But it is the, the statutes of the Lord, the commandments of the Lord. This are, these are the divine mandates. These are the authoritative, non-optional demands by God on man. Thou shalt, thou shalt, shalt not. The, the clear commands of God. The law of the Lord. The testimony of the Lord. The statutes of the Lord. The commandments of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. This is the awe of God. The divine worship of God. That the Word of God is our worship manual. It points us to a God so that we would be in awe and reverence of Him and worship Him. And then we see the judgments of the Lord. These are the divine verdicts. The divine verdicts from the final judge, God Himself. So we see these these titles that are given. The law of the Lord, the testimony of the Lord, the statutes of the Lord, the commandments of the Lord, the fear of the Lord, the judgments of the Lord. But then notice the characteristics of them. He says, first of all, the law of the Lord is what? Perfect. It is complete. It is fully comprehensive. It is, uh, it is a flawless set of instructions. Nothing needs to be taken from it. Nothing needs to be added to it. It lacks nothing. It is God's complete and perfect and divine revelation to man. The law of the Lord is perfect. Do you believe that? Amen. It is also, he says, sure. The testimony of the Lord, the divine witness of the Lord is sure, which means this, it's absolutely trustworthy, it is reliable, it is unwavering. If you were to go to tonight to the largest library 
in the world and there were millions of books in there, there would only be one book out of all of those millions that is absolutely and completely reliable, completely trustworthy, and that would be the Word of God. Because all the, the rest are written by sinful men. We believe that the Word of God is sure. That means experiences in the Christian life are great. But listen, experiences don't guide us. I'm, I'm leery of people who always are telling me about experiences and very rarely telling me about what the Word of God says. Experiences are great. I believe God gives them to us. I believe God can speak through dreams. I believe that God gives us those things, but I believe that His divine and final and His final revelation to us is the Word of God. It is sure. It is perfect. Listen to what Peter said. Peter had some pretty incredible experiences with God, one of them being on the Mount of Transfiguration. Wouldn't you say that that was a pretty awesome experience? But listen to what Peter says in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 17. And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. He even references that time. But then he says in verse 19, that experience is great. But verse 19, we have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto ye do well that ye take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day stars arise in your heart, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. He reveals to us what that perfect revelation is. It is Scripture. He says, this was a great experience on, on the Mount of Transfiguration, but we have a more sure word of prophecy. We have something greater than experience. We have the word of God. And I love verse, the end of verse 20. It is of no private interpretation, which means you don't have to wait till Sunday to open it and to read it and to understand it. That the same Holy Spirit that lives in me lives in you. He is the same teacher to me that he is to you. And he can speak to you day in and day out. You don't need me to teach you the word of God. Now you may need someone to help you and guide you. But I can't go home with you. I can't teach you the word of God every day. We're all to be students of the word of God. To study, to show thyself approved unto God which is our reasonable service. So verse number 20 says, it's of no private interpretation. Verse 21, for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. And so that sure word of prophecy is the word of God, and it's of no private interpretation. The word of God is sure because it's not the opinion of man. That's why you don't need a preacher who stands and gives you his opinion. You need a preacher who will stand and give you what the word of God has to say. The word of God is sure. The statutes of the Lord are the divine doctrines of the Lord, and they are right. In other words, they lay out a right path for us. Listen, this book is our guide in life. It is our light that helps us navigate through a dark world. Psalm 119 verse 11 says this, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And I will say practically tonight that there ought not to be anything that we do, any decision that we make that we don't consult the word of God in that decision. 
This is our light. This is our guide. It lays out a right path for us. And then he says the commandment of the Lord is pure. In other words, they are clear. They are understandable. The word of God is transparent. It gives clear direction for life. And let me just say this. It is as relevant in 2023 as it was when it was written. It is eternal. It is relevant. It's not muddy or out of date. Here we are in 2023 in America, thousands of years separated from the writing of Psalm 19 by King David, and yet it is still speaking to us, isn't it? It is timeless. It is clear. It is never out of date. It is pure. And then he says, the fear of the Lord is clean. The Word of God is our manual of worship, and it's free from corruption and error. Psalm 12, 6 says, The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. The judgments of the Lord are true. In other words, they are firm and they are absolute. What the Bible says about everything is absolutely truth, and it doesn't change with time, which means that what God said about creation In Genesis, he still means about creation in 2023. What he said about human sexuality in Genesis, he still means today. What he said about abortion and what he said about sin and righteousness and what he said about the family and government and the church, it's still relevant today for you and I. And it will be till the end of time. This is such a treasure that we have. And Yet so many times, especially in America, we have five, six, eight, nine, ten of these in our homes, and we very rarely read them, very rarely pick them up to look for the instruction of God's Word to guide us and to direct us daily. Listen, don't, don't let this book just be something that you open on Sundays. Spend time in it each and every day. And then I want you to look at Lastly tonight, the six benefits of it. The law of the Lord, he says it is perfect, and here is the benefit. It converts and transforms the inner man. Converts the soul. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23-25 through 25 says this, Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, notice this, by the word of God, and here it is again, which lives and abides forever. For all flesh is as grass and all the the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withers, the flower thereof falleth away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. I love that. The word of the Lord endures forever and this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so here at Faith Baptist Tabernacle we are committed to frequent preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ because of this promise that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And we want to clearly explain it. James says it this way in James 1.20, Of his own will begot he us with the word of truth. In other words, we're born again by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of firstfruits of his, of his creature. And so we see the law of the Lord, it converts and transforms. Secondly, the testimony of the Lord is sure, and here is the benefit, it gives wisdom to the simple. 
And he would say tonight, I need wisdom. I need God's wisdom, not the world's wisdom. I need God's wisdom. The word simple here means this. It means an open door, a simple-minded person. And I'll admit that this is me at times, that uh, it is someone who is who doesn't always have the discernment when to open and shut the door of their minds. I don't know about you, but sometimes that's me. Don't always have the discernment when to open and shut the door of our minds. We're uncertain what to let in and what to keep out. And as we looked at last last Sunday night, Psalm 1 says, Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is where? In the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. The Word of God gives us wisdom when to open and when to shut the door of our minds, what to keep out and what to let in. Philippians 4 verse 8, whatsoever things are true and honest and just and pure and lovely and of good report and virtuous and praiseworthy, think on these things. And I say it all the time, but the key to the Christian life is what we allow in and out of our minds. What we keep out and what we allow in. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. The Word of God helps guide what we, it gives us wisdom, what to let in and what to keep out. Also, the statutes of the Lord are right. And here's the benefit, it gives joy to a life. And as we navigate life in the light of God's Word, we do so with joyful hearts as we are led by God and His Word. Jeremiah said this in Jeremiah 15, 16, Thy words were found, and I did eat them or take them in, and Thy Word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. Hey, if you're feeling a little down, if you if you look turn on the news and you get depressed, which will take you about 10 seconds, open up the Word of God and you will find joy. Our joy is not based on the circumstances of life or the conditions of our country. Our joy is based in our confidence in an almighty, sovereign, powerful God who is ruling and reigning over our life. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 4. These things are written that your joy might be full. These things are written. In other words, I write this word to you that you might have full and complete joy. Joy comes through knowing and obeying the word of God. And then he says the commandment of the Lord is pure, and I love this, enlightening the eye. Again, it gives direction in the dark. It allows us to see things differently from the world. It gives us divine discernment to what is happening around us. When the world is blind to what's going on, when they, when they just accept everything that comes down Main Street, the Word of God gives us discernment to say, no, that's not right. That, that contradicts the Word of God. We understand what to value in life and even the great value of death as, as Paul did. We understand the purposes of God unfolding in history. We understand the role of the family and the church and the government in the world as the Word of God teaches it to us and it gives us a discerning heart and a confidence that God is sovereign in control of the universe. And then he says the fear of the Lord is clean and here's the benefit it endures forever it's not going away it's eternal it never dies out it's always relevant it's good for every person in every generation young people it will still be relevant when you are adults needing direction for parenting 
It will still be the guide. Settle right now that this book is going to be the thing that guides your life and guides your decisions. Psalm 119 verse 89 says this, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Forever, forever. And then lastly, he says, The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. It's altogether righteous or it's totally righteous. It's without error. And because it is without error, it has power to transform, power to make us wise, power to give joy, power to give discernment, because it is eternally relevant and absolutely true. You can take it to the bank. You can put everything on the Word of God. Do not doubt the sufficiency of God's Scripture, of God's Word. The law of the Lord is perfect. It converts and transforms the inner man. The testimony of the Lord is sure. It gives wisdom to the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right. It gives joy to a life. The commandments of the Lord are pure. It gives direction in the darkness. The fear of the Lord is clean. It endures forever. The judgments of the Lord are true. It's altogether righteous. How many of you are thankful tonight for the Word of God? Amen. Amen. Satan always has, and you need to understand this, he always has, and young people, he always will attack the Word of God. Done it from the very beginning in the Garden of Eden. Remember the very first question he presents to Eve. Hath God said? Trying to get Eve to doubt the sufficiency of God's word. And he's still doing the same thing today. But the promise of the sufficiency and the power and the relevance of God's word is settled. It is to be the center of our lives. It is to be the center of our worship. In other words, the study and memorization and meditation of God's word ought to be an active part of our life. Memorize it. Meditate upon it. J.J. Packer said this, Certainty about the great issues of Christian faith and conduct is lacking. The outside observer sees us staggering from gimmick to gimmick and stunt to stunt like a drunk in a fog, not knowing where we are or which way we should be going. Preaching is hazy, heads are muddled, hearts fret, doubts drain strength, and uncertainty paralyzes action. Unlike the first century Christians, we lack certainty. That's the culture we live in. We lack certainty. And we need to to reaffirm from time to time our commitment to the sufficiency of Scriptures, to the eternality of Scriptures, to the authority of Scriptures in our life. If it was the only book, the only instruction book, the only counsel book ever written, it would be enough for us. It is sufficient. I'm thankful for other resources. We live in a day where God has given us many wonderful resources that are, that are written around the Word of God. But there is only one authoritative book. David Platt said this, The Word of God involves a rhythm of revelation from God and a response from man. The Word of God calls for a response from you and I. And we desperately need the Word of God in our lives on a daily basis. Our capability of living life in God's plan for His glory and within His purposes cannot be done without the Word of God as an active part of our life. Let me close by giving you some scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 5, 
Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. 2 Corinthians 3, 5. Not that we are, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians 9, 8. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you that ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work, being enriched in everything to all bountifulness. All grace, all sufficiency. In other words, there is no problem, there is no addiction, there is no relationship conflict, nothing that you and I face today that God's Word is not enough to help us navigate through that. That's what the sufficiency of Scripture means. It means that it is enough for everything in life. We are made more like Christ by spending time in His Word. How many of you want to be more like Christ? Hopefully all of us do. Listen to this verse, John 17, 17. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. You want to be more like Christ? You want sanctification to be a greater part of your life? Holiness, as we talked about this morning, it comes from the word of God. The word of God gives us the mind of Christ. It allows us to discern and evaluate and understand the, the, and, and reason things out. Listen to 1 Corinthians 2, beginning in verse 13. Which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? Notice this last phrase. But we have the mind of Christ. Say, where do we have the mind of Christ? Right here. In God's word. The word of God is our weapon for warfare. Hebrews chapter 4.12 says that the word of God is quick and it is powerful and it is sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow. And it is the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. It is our weapon in which we fight the enemy. Remember again, how did Jesus defeat Satan when he was tempted in the wilderness? When, when he presented him with all these temptations, he quoted scripture to him. Giving you and I an example, a great example. When we're faced with temptation, what do we need to do? Go to the book. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his ways by taking heed into the word of God? Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. This is the book that will keep us from sin. Someone said... This book will keep you from sin, or sin will keep you from this book. And that's true, isn't it? The greater we go into sin, the more we put away the book. The more we're into the Word of God, the further away we are from sin. It is our weapon. It is living. It is effective. Luke eleven twenty eight says, But he said, Yea, rather blessed are they that hear the Word of God and keep it. All of our spiritual sufficiency is bound up in hearing and obeying the Word of God. I mentioned it this morning that we are not only to be hearers of the Word, but we are to be what? Doers of the Word. The Word of God should be more than a daily, uh, it should be more of a daily food than, than a means of medicine. 
It should be something that we don't just open up when we're sick and, oh, we, we have this going on in our life, so we better go get the Bible. No, make it a daily food, a daily part of our appetites. Acts 17.11 says this about the, the church. They were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness of mind. You know what that means? They came to church ready to hear the word of God. They opened the Bible in the morning ready to hear. They woke up in the morning ready to hear the word of God. They received it with all readiness of mind. And they searched the scriptures weekly. No, daily. Daily. Whether those things were so. The word of God is the key to a joyful life, a joyful marriage, a spirit of singing. Colossians 3.16 Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. We've already talked about that, but it brings great joy to our life. The ticket to the spirit-filled life is a word-controlled mind. 2 Peter 1.3, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. 1 Thessalonians 2 verse 12, that ye would walk worthy of God who hath called you unto his kingdom and glory. For this cause also thank we God without ceasing because when ye received the word of God which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men but as it is in truth the word of God which effectually worketh also in you that believe. The word of God is enough to make us wise unto salvation Second Timothy three fifteen through seventeen. There is no substitute for the Word of God in our lives. No substitute for it. A challenge for us tonight is to realize how important it is. To realize how perfect it is. To realize how sufficient it is. To realize how much wisdom is there. To realize how much we need it every day of our life. That it is. A more comprehensive revelation than creation that he has given to you and I. It is, our, it is God's love letter to you and I. It is our instruction manual for daily living. I love what someone said. Food can fill our stomachs, but never our souls. Possessions can fill our houses, but never our hearts. And our families can fill our days, but never our identities. Real satisfaction and purpose can never be found apart from God. There are deep places within our soul that God's hand designed and reserved only for Him to fill. That means don't look for in a spouse what God designed that only He could fill. Don't look for in a child that joy and that satisfaction and that pleasure that only God can feel. Whatever you're dealing with in this life, I want us to be reminded tonight God's word is sure. God's word is relevant. God's word is enough. God's word is exactly what we need and we need to be immersing ourselves in it. And as we look around us with all the questions that this world has, with all the questions that this world throws at us, two things stand out as indisputable evidence of God. Psalm 19, God's world and God's word. And may we point people to those two things. I was talking to a young man yesterday about the gospel. And 
you know, doubting whether God created the world, doubting if there is a God. And the best place you can start is back at creation. How can you look around you? How can you look at this human body and how it functions? How can you look at the Grand Canyon? How, and, and we've only, a lot of us have only seen a, a minute part of it, right? How can you look at the sun and, and how all of that works and how fast it's moving and how if it's just a little closer to the earth, we would all be burned up. How can you look at it and deny that there is a creator God in charge of it all? It's a great place to start. By the way, the gospel starts at creation. It starts at God's love for us and the design of a perfect world and that it was sin that messed that up. It was sin that separated that, but God wanted an eternal family. And because of that, he sent his son. He loved us so much that he sent his only son to die on a cross for us. And so we point to creation and we point to his world and his word as the two greatest evidences to a God who loves us. Not only our creator, but also desires to be our father. Father, we thank you again as we did earlier for the word of God and for the time that we have been able to spend in it today with our brothers and sisters in Christ. We thank you so much for the family of God. And Lord, we pray that this week we will be praying for each other We will be ministering to each other. We will be loving on each other. Those who are going through surgeries, those who are recovering, those who are losing loved ones, those who are going through deep, deep trials in their life. I pray, Lord, that we would look this week to minister to those within our church body. We pray, Lord, that you would be honored and exalted and glorified through our life and Lord, I pray that we would be people of the Word of God. Not only that we would be a church who puts a, a uh, focus on it on Sundays and Wednesdays, but that every day in our lives it would be a vital part of our life, that we would give the first part of our day to it. And I'm reminded this week of what just an hour alone in the morning in the Word of God, how it can change everything, how it can change our day how it can change our mindset, how it can change our our joy, the disposition in which we live life. So Lord, help us to make it a priority in our life that we might be able to live in such a way that points people to your glory. We love you. We thank you for all that you've done for us. Lead us and guide us as we go throughout this week, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.